Blog Talk Radio. Choices, decisions, frustrations, and pain. Knowing I'm going to forget her someday. While I still can, I'll challenge all my loved ones every Inside their hearts and understand that I will love them. I will love them while I still can. Well, hello and welcome everyone to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm um, thrilled to be with you today. We're going to have a fascinating show with a couple of um, great personalities uh, with us today. But before I get into um, the show and who's going to be with us, I always like to tell everybody a little bit about Alzheimer's Speaks Radio because, as usual, we always get new listeners from far and wide. And Alzheimer Speaks Radio is basically an advocacy-based company providing multiple platforms to shift our dementia care culture from crisis to comfort. And um, we feel it's really important to do that on a global fashion. We're all so interconnected, and we all have so much information to share. And so here at Alzheimer's Speaks, we like to hear from everybody, from those who actually are diagnosed with the disease, to people who are caring for their loved ones, um, from researchers and advocates, um, musicians, movie makers, um, and, and people providing a variety of services, products, and tools to help us live better with this disease. We believe by joining forces and sharing knowledge and just having these everyday conversations about life with dementia, we're going to be able to remove the stigmas attached to memory loss and really help people get back to living with purpose and reclaiming their lives. Um, We know that we're making an impact thanks to all of you in terms of you sharing um, what it is that we do. If it's sharing the radio show here or the blog or the resource directory or Dementia Chats, which is our webinars where we interview people with dementia, um, all of those things have a huge impact because you never know who in your circle is going to need this information next. And the more we all put it out there and just make it comfortable for people to tap into, the more likely we're going to be able to help those in need. So, again, I thank you um, for helping us get the recognition of being the number one influencer online regarding Alzheimer's, according to ShareCare and Dr. Oz. We, We definitely could not do that without your support. And so, again, just really want to thank you um, because it is making a huge difference. If you think you might be a good um, person for one of our future shows, please get a hold of me. I'm always open to listening. You can email me. You can use your chat box um, here on the show. Or you can go to our website at www.alzheimerspeaks.com. And there um, on the top, there's a big contact button. And you can, you know, either email me or or call me. 
whatever is most comfortable for you. We would also encourage you to participate in the conversation, and you can do that by calling in live at 714-364-4757. That's 714-364-4757. Or you can use your chat box, and I'll be monitoring that um, throughout the show. But we'd love to hear your questions and your comments as we go along with the show. Um, I also like to highlight some of my um, favorite businesses that I really think help people in terms of dealing with this disease. And Alzheimer's Disease International is a fantastic organization located in London, but helping people around the world. They are the association of all the Alzheimer's associations worldwide. And um, they just have uh, some new studies released, uh, research information um, and offering up statistics. There's information on, on dietary uh, that was just released there as well, and they're really keeping us up to date on the the global impact. Um, so check them out, Alzheimer's Disease International, or you can go to www.alz.co.uk. Um, and if you're looking for some alternatives on how to deal with dementia. The Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation is an absolute fabulous organization that can help you out. Um, They really work on some holistic modes, and I think you'll find some great tools and information and resources on their site. You can go to alzheimersprevention.org. Again, that's alzheimersprevention.org to get the Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation. The Lewy Body um, uh, Dementia Association is also really important because many people are dealing with different variables, different types of dementia, and they will be able to help you with specifics regarding that disease, just as the Association for Frontal Temporal Degeneration can help you if you've got frontal temporal dementia. Um, and that the National Aphasia Association can help those that are having difficulty with their speech. So those organizations, again, you're going to want to check out. And then if you are um, interested in getting involved in research and being part of a study group, the alzheimersstudies.com um, has a clinical trial on tau, and I know that they're working on a couple others that will be launching um Soon. So go to alzheimerstudies.com for more information on some upcoming trials. And then recreation, I think, is so important in socialization. And so um, I'm just going to mention a couple of companies there. Music First with Coral Health, who has devised what, devised what I call a music prescription um, that can help us change our mood. Um, and this works not just for people with dementia, but all of us. And um, they actually have made it into an app called Music First, so you can you can find that on iTunes, or you can just go to Coral Health, and that's c o r o health dot com. Um, and then there is Puzzle with Me. A lot of people like to do puzzles. Puzzles are really important, um, but they need to be um, smaller in number of pieces, bigger in size more age-appropriate, and Puzzles With Me has designed a puzzle that's perfect for people with dementia. Uh, Jiminy Wicket, 
We'll get you out playing croquet. It's an intergenerational game that has been devised to work well with those um, dealing with dementia. And then, of course, the Purple Angel Project. I'd be amiss if I did not talk about them. Um, They are just doing some wonderful, wonderful things around the world. And if you are not familiar with the Purple Angel Project, um, you know, go to alzheimerspeaks.com and then go to our About page, and there you will find specific information um, regarding uh, the Purple Angel Project. So let me go ahead and um, introduce our first guest. Um, Her name is Paula Spencer Scott, and she is the author of a book called Surviving Alzheimer's, Practical Tips and Soul-Saving Wisdom for Caregivers. And this was just released in um, 2014. She is also a contributing editor of Caring.com. She is a fellow of the MetLife Foundation Journalist in Aging Program and a former columnist for Women's Day magazine. Um, Paula is the author and or co-author of 11 other books as well. So this woman really knows, uh, knows how to write. She has been personally touched by dementia, as four of her close family members have had it, including her father and her grandfather. So welcome to the show, Paula. How are you? I'm good, thanks. I'm happy to be here. Well, I am thrilled to have you. Um, This book that you have written, Surviving Alzheimer's, um, you know, I think it, it really has a little different twist in terms of what you've delivered. So I'd like you to explain to our, off, uh, our audience what is the difference that you see about your book compared to all the others out there. Well, as you mentioned, my background is as a medical journalist and a, a writer. I've written a number of books with doctors. And then I happened to spend seven years um, developing all the Alzheimer's materials for Caring.com and some other places. And I saw that there's obviously this you know, tremendous need out there, um, but I felt like there was a need for kind of a best-of book that summed up in a really quick scan, quick read format um, the main things that caregivers or people who are taking care of someone in their family who has Alzheimer's or another dementia need to know, and something that was also caregiver-centric, that was as much about you and your experience helping this person as well as how to help them. So to do that, I, I canvassed all the, you know, talked to so many people in my um, job over the years and, and talked and kind of got the best of perspectives of all these people and boiled down what you need to know from all these different perspectives, uh, you know, a doctor and a, a geriatric psychiatrist, people who work with activities, people who work with communications, um, and then took their advice and, and also looked at just behavior by behavior by behavior that you encounter and what why is it happening, what you do about it and just really tried to distill everything that I had learned personally and professionally into a really quick, fast, accessible, and helpful format. Well, and I think that uh, I think you were successful in uh, in doing that. Um, you know, I I decided to do something a little bit different uh, with your with your book, and um, and also with Vicky, who will be our second guest today. 
And I decided to bring them to our memory cafe and um, try to get some book reports out of people and have them have them review them. And you know, your book is a big book. It's it's 341 pages, um, which sometimes can be overwhelming to people. But the response to your book <laughs> was amazing. Um, I actually still don't have it back because it's making the rounds. Um, people absolutely adored it. And so um, I thought what I might do is just um, throw in some some of their comments. Um, and I'll start with the first one um, by, by Kathy. She said, this book is easy to read and understand. And I, to me, that's just so critical because sometimes uh, things aren't um, easy to digest. And um, she said, the table of contents allows the reader to look up specific topics that they may address um, a, a particular question or problem. And so that is just so resourceful because I think, uh, you know, when you're dealing with dementia, as you as you well know, um, you need quick answers and quick resources. You can't dig and scurry because you just don't have, have that extra yeah. time, you know, to put into it. Um, she said the the first 60 pages has different experts on dementia and Alzheimer's and, and gives their advice and perspectives on dementia and caregiving. And the remainder of the book, she says, deals just with everyday problems in the format, um, really examines particular issues. And she's got that underlined and describes the why, and she, just, you know, she underlined that too, um, why it happened, and then give suggestions to try this. And, and she just thought it was really brilliant. And um, she she thought it was absolutely a fantastic mode. And she said, um, and there may um, and may add tips on the ways to help your caregiver cope. And and you know this is such a stressful disease um, for for all involved. And so I, I thought it was, and uh, you know when I Berused it as well. I thought it was really well laid out and designed. Um, but can you tell us? Um, let's go into you know what did you see as some of the biggest challenges facing um, people who are dealing with uh, with caring for someone with dementia? Well, you hit it on the head when you talk about stress because. Um, you know, sometimes it's a big crisis. Somebody falls or you know, something big happens. But a lot of the time it's just that low-grade worry. Um, you're worried about your time and getting everything done. You're worried about money. You know, you're worried about um, your your interactions with this person that you love and how they're changing. Um, there's just always something. There's, you know, family conflicts burbling in the background. I mean, stress is just the one constant theme that I hear from everybody, no matter how much they're happy to be you know, providing care, and no matter how much they love the person, no matter how well they're doing the job, everybody feels it. And um, so that was kind of the starting point um, for for the, the book and everything that I wanted to put in it. It was all geared toward how do you, you know, lower that stress level so that you can be a good caregiver for the long haul and be there for the person and do the things that you need to do, you know, how do you get those answers, you know, in a way that goes beyond, like, the cliche, you know, take a bubble bath. You know, I laugh every time I see that advice. I'm like, oh, yeah, right, I have time to take a bubble bath. You know, I mean, real practical um, advice on how do I do that. And I think how you do that is 
by some of the things that the you know, experts and the advice in the book talks about is knowing, you know, knowing what to do, knowing what to expect, knowing what's normal, um, knowing you're not, you know, crazy and should beat yourself up with guilt because you sometimes feel, you know, resentful or sad or, you know, guilty. Um, that knowing that all those things are, are, are normal, I think, is all really validating. And so everything in the book kind of comes through the lens of the caregiver and, and their stress level and, and, you know, what are things that will empower you to kind of, you know, lower that. You can't make the stress go away, but how can you live with it in a way that's productive for you and for the person with dementia? Yeah, and, and it is... Um... And, and that you know stress it kind of ebbs and flows with this disease just like it does in our in our yeah. everyday life you know it doesn't really change it probably just intensifies you know more than yeah. more than more than anything now you had put in the um you know why this and try this kind of approach to dementia um why did you think that that was important to have in in the book i think why is such a key word when you understand the why it, it allows you to handle everything so so much better. So in the you talked about somebody you know doing the, the book report and the and talking about the behavior. So the bulk of the book is looking at very specific situations, you know, from eating to um, you know pacing to um, stressors that you might um, be experiencing yourself. And and for each one, I I go through the the why. You know, the first impulse that we often have to a puzzling behavior is, you know, how do I get her not to do that, right? Or how do I make him stop? Um, Mm -hmm. But I think what's more useful is to to stop and ask the question, well, you know, why are they doing that? Um, And you don't always, you know, know the answer right off. And so I kind of walk through a method for, you know, for figuring that out. I mean, the why is often rooted in the nature of the disease, right? You know, can't rationalize, you can't um, lose the ability to form new memories, and and those capabilities. It's like you know you always hear the expression "blame the disease," right? That helps you understand why someone is behaving the way they are. Um, and then you play a little bit of detective. You know, what is it about the situation? When does it happen? You know, who's there? What else is going on that might be contributing? What happened before? What happened after? How often does it happen? Um, and and then also the question: Who? Who are you dealing with? You're dealing with this person you know pretty well. You know, what is it about their a lot of their core essential personality is still there. What about their likes and dislikes might be causing them to behave the way they are? And when you go through all these things and just get a sense of the why, it's a way to buy you a little peace of mind and to give mm-hmm. you kind of more compassion and empathy for what's going on. So instead of starting from a place of, oh, my God, like how do I stop this? I'm so freaked out about this. It's you know allows you to say okay wait why 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 is this happening what's going on let me put myself in in their shoes and, and get some valuable clues that help you kind of prevent or avoid the situation it's just a different way of coming at um, the 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 situation than um, starting from a place of sort of you know frustration or worry or fear. Yeah, um, Rick has made a comment in the in the chat box here. Um, I'm going to go back to the stress here because I missed this one. But mm-hmm. he said sometimes stress is much more than just mentally. When you're a patient, you can have stress of the soul. What would you mm. say to Rick? Mm. Well, for one, first that I love that expression, um, stress of the soul, and um, 
it's why I actually do go into um, great detail um, after I talk about behaviors. I have a whole section that's just all about you know personal and family stressors um, because sometimes you know you can it's it's everything else that gets to you. It, it, it's all those um, kinds of just you know sometimes it's just a cumulative effect of everything and. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it's normal and it's utterly, you know, um, predictable. And, um, I mean, one of the things I talk about is getting at the underlying, you know, reasons behind stress. So we think we're mm-hmm. stressed because of something that someone has done or said to us. Um, but really it's like deeper um, things. And this gets at that soul level. You know, we're stressed because we don't have control all over the situation. We're stressed because, you know, we have kind of, expectations that aren't, you know, being met or we have um, stress because we're uncertain about things or because, you know, we, we're not giving ourselves enough credit or we feel isolated. I mean, all those are sort of the underlying things and they get, we think it's the, the, the top line stressor that's got us stressed out and it does, but really it's like beneath that, um, those are the, the harder things I think that really that really sap at people and um, in the book I go through different ways you can kind of you know twist that questions you can ask yourself to um, help get at you know um, a better way of dealing with you know like if you're you're feeling like out of control about the situation you know have I done everything I can you know to try to change it can I say no more often who can I reach out to for help you know have I asked this person or that person or you know um, and it's kind of a lot of it's reframing mm-hmm. um, how you look at um, how you look at the tough situation and and knowing um, you know that there are always there are always ways to to deal with it and to get help uh, even though it often seems like you just feel so overwhelmed or alone. Yeah, I, and and you know, as a caregiver, you know, one who recently lost, you know, I lost my mother just uh, right, right. quite a month right. ago. The, the that term stress of the soul it's just so mm. deep just so mm-hmm. deep and mm-hmm. and and I think a lot of times the stress has to do with loss um yes. you know if if we're uh, loss or lost you know where you just don't mm. quite know what to do or how to do it um you know it's just such a significant change it just doesn't feel um comfortable you know, I yeah. kind of have that that hominess and that comfort, and and it's a big shift. And so, you know, I I think that that um, can come into that too. Rick is saying it's hard to explain, um, but it but it does reach your very soul, and the caregiver yeah. can sometimes um, get some relief um, as well. You know, and I and I think yeah, I I can appreciate that. Um, and I yeah. think I think we've all been to that level of stress where. It just resonates throughout your whole body, you know, when you can't find right. that, that place of peace and, well, and calmness. And with dementia care, what's, you know, what's layered onto everything else that's going on, um, I've, I've written a lot. It's just a real interest of mine is all the, the emotions of, of caregiving. And um, this idea of, of anticipatory grief, um, or they call it, you know, ambiguous loss, where, you know, layered on top of everything else that's going on day in, day out, you know, you are dealing with this sense of, of loss. Even on a good day, you know, that you're, that you're 
losing um, the kind of relationship, the exact nature of the relationship you once had as the person changes. And um, my dad was, you know, he had the pleasant dimension. He was delightful. It was wonderful being with him, you know, but you're always aware of that loss. And it's that sort of dogged, chronic thing. And, you know, on top of everything else, it it, it really can be um, overwhelming. And and to some extent, that, that stress of the soul is something you you can't make it go away. You just, you know, to some extent, you know, have to live with a, a little bit of it. And I think that's it's sort of the special, you know, tie that uh, that all uh, people who have been touched by al- Alzheimer's and dementia share. They all know that feeling. And it's hard to describe when, until you've been there. Yeah, very, very much so, very much so. Um, you write, you know, in your book a lot about the underlying causes of stress. Can we can we dive into that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, it's it's this idea that um, you um, you feel the stress, um, but but there are these sort of what I call them like almost like ultimate stressors, you know, that are going on, and it's this sense of. Um, there are different things that cause them, but say, you know, lack of control. You know, you just feel like, I feel stuck. I don't feel any good options. It's hopeless. You know, nobody asked me what I think. Um, and if you can sort of change that way of thinking a little bit to, um, you know, giving input or getting exerting your influence in small ways, even if it's not large ones, you know, your brain is kind of action-oriented, and then you'll feel more like you're you're making progress and you have some control. Um there are certain themes, I think, that are, are just real common um, with dementia caregiving that, that feed that stress. And lack of control is one. And, you know, having unrealistic expectations, you know, is another one. I'm the only one who gets it. You know, I should, I or your your own worst enemy. I should be able to do better. I'm always disappointed when the way they do this and that. And it's kind of letting go of those oughts sometimes can, can be helpful. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uncertainty and fear is, is such a big one um, because... You know, you're always feeling, I don't know what to expect. How am I going to manage, you know? <laughs> what fresh hell waits me today? You know, you wake up on some days. Um, and that's where, you know, realizing that, you know, that old cliche knowledge is power is just really, you know, darn good advice. And, and, and there's always more facts you could collect or questions you could ask somebody. Or uh, it, it, it's, um, it's a way of kind of breaking apart the stress. And again, like at thinking about the why, you know, why am I stressed? Why did I, you know, snap at the receptionist today? Well, you know, I'm having a bad day. Why am I having a bad day? Well, you know, because I'm really, I'm, I'm really freaked out with worry right now, um, or I'm, you know, feeling like I'm at sea. I'm out of control. Every as you break things down a little bit further, I feel like you find helpful nuggets um, mm-hmm. that can can move you a little further down the road. Now, Paula has written in and said she gets stressed when her symptoms appear when she's talking to others and and she feels embarrassed and she doesn't really want to tell anybody that she has dementia. Any any advice for her? Um, I, you know, I I think, you know, you talk a lot about yourself about, you know, stigma. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I feel like the more we talk about it um, and, and find the language to, to talk about it, um, the more helpful it is for everyone. You know, I need help with X. Um, it sort of demystifies it um, for people. Um, 
And so I find that that can be helpful. Now, if you're at a place where you really don't want to and don't, you know, feel like it's comfortable, um, then, um, you know, you don't need to do that. Um, but if you're sort of, a, you know, on the fence, I always, you know, tell people, it's like, you know, the, the more we all talk, the, the better, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it's it's one of those things where I think, again, it's just so important that we break down the stigmas and the barrier um, regarding this disease because um, it's just not fair. I mean, I just I can't even imagine um, not you know being ill, having an illness, and not and feeling embarrassed about it. I mean, that's just so yes. not right. Um, yes. That we, but you know, people that we used make... to be that way about. I'm sorry, but people mm-hmm. used to be oh. that way about cancer. Yeah, that was a taboo word and a taboo diagnosis. And look how far we've you know come with that. And so. I take, you know, some solace in that, that I think that same pattern will happen. Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, the the more we all work together at breaking down those barriers and, and just having, you know, again, these simple conversations like we're having today on the radio, um, it's huge. It's absolutely mm-hmm. huge um, in terms of getting people to understand. I was on a, an AM channel here, Twin Cities uh, Talk Radio and um you know we had so many people calling in with questions you know and there's they don't know where to go they don't know and there and there's so many more resources out there than people know are out there and you know that's one of the reasons yeah. I, again I developed Alzheimer's speaks um was to try to pull those resources together so that people can find them um and not judge what the next guy needs because we all need different things at different times um yeah. and and so much of this, um, especially when it comes with just our caring attitudes and how we view things, you know, I mean, that can be used and multiplied in so many different ways in our lives <clears throat> to enrich to enrich it, that's for sure. I was looking, um, you know, at your at your book, not that I have it in front of me, but I went online to, <laughs> to kind of look at it because, again, um, they have it. And I just kind of wanted to highlight um, some of the things that you've you've um, broken down and some of the names that you have um, in this book, if that's okay with you. Um, yeah. You've got some some really well known people. Bob DeMarco with the Alzheimer's Reading Room is in here. Um, you have Lisa. Uh, is it Guther? Um, Guither. Yeah. Guither. Tipa Snow, um, Ken Robbins, uh, Amy Goyer, Dave Truxell, Ann Bastings, um, Naomi File with Validation Program. Um, you know, you you've got some some great great resources that you've talked to um, in this book. And then, as far as how you've broken down this kind of table of of contents. Um, you know, you address some issues that sometimes people don't like to talk about, the sexually related problems. Sometimes people can make inappropriate advances or masturbation in public or unwanted advances to spouse. And, um, you know, I've even had it where people have told me that um, somebody doesn't want to sleep with their spouse because they don't know their, their spouse anymore. Right. You know, and they, right. and they said, you know, I really like you, but I'm married. <laughs> You know, and you know, how do you how do you deal with those those types of things? You know, when when behaviors change, you know, and for couples, that's a that's a huge huge thing when you've been married for years and and stuff changes on that 
you know, on that level. Um, what did you find in terms of, of how people best dealt with some of those really personal, intimate um, <clears throat> issues that arose? Well, the number one thing is that people are so relieved to talk about it when they finally mm-hmm. have the opportunity because it is something like where are you going to, you know, go to to talk to people about it and who will understand. Um, in that section you talk about in the book about sexuality-related problems, I um, I actually do divide it into two things. I talk about some of those um, disinhibition kinds of behaviors, you know, I'm dressing in public and making advances, um, and then... Um, separately, I, I talk about um, spousal um, interactions because I had mm-hmm. done actually with Ken Robbins, who's a, a geriatric psychiatrist at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. I had done a whole series with him, which was so interesting um, about the, um, the, the the many different reactions that couples have. I mean, it's just, again, like everything, different for everyone. and. Some couples, you know, talk about how one woman I remember saying, you know, he only seems like, you know, he's there, you know, <laughs> when we're having sex. It's like it's like old times, like old, you know, everything else kind of falls away and we have these moments of connection. And then for other people, and this is very common as the disease goes on, is this sense of, you know, they're, they're more, the person's, the spouse is more and more dependent and more, um, it, it, you just don't see him or her as that that sexual partner that you you had in life and um so everybody is different and has different um responses and um a lot of the the good advice that people have to share is you know it's about you know thinking about what your partner would think if you know positions were reversed or just having somebody that you can talk to and 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 think through this whether it's a, a neutral third party like even a therapist you know um uh, or a friend or um not being afraid to 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 confront it and 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 think about it and and what it means and obviously i'm a um i'm a daughter i'm a granddaughter i i have not been a, a in a spousal situation so everything i say on this subject you know so it comes through these third parties and people that i've talked to but i do know that it 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 you know it just ranks right up there and in, in you know talk about stress for the soul and one of the really hard things because that's the you know that is something that's a core of your um, relationship with this person, and when that relationship is just so um, changing, um, it does make you feel, you know, sort of um, kind of fraught and alone, and and wondering, you know, mm-hmm. what do other people do? What do I do? It's it's yeah. so 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 normal. Yeah, you also break down communication problems, and again, this is you know what Kathy was referring to in her book report, which was wonderful. When people can't find the right words, or they use nonsense words or gibberish, uh, or they ask, "What should I be doing?" or they curse when they didn't used to, or they say mean and hurtful things, or they want to go home. I mean, those are just. I mean, we hear all of. I mean, you just pinpointed probably the the ones that that people struggle with the most. Um, and so I think that that's, that's, uh, fantastic. And I can see where Kathy said this is so helpful mm. if you just kind of want to dive in and, um, and find out why, what's causing that and, um, and what you could do. Mm-hmm. Well, what I find in, uh, talking to people over the years and interviewing, again, because I'm a journalist is, you know, people, 
there's, there's a lot of wonderful books and materials out there, but you have to wade through a lot of narrative, <laughs> a lot of mm-hmm. background, and a lot of um, a lot of stuff. And and what I find is that you know people want you know X happens, you know what are Y Z you know that I can do about it? Um, what you know just, just tell me exact. Here's exactly the problem. You know what are the kinds of things I can try? Why is this happening? Why is this happening? And so I really did try to put in the things I kept hearing over and over again, um, and or had lived through myself that that you know people deal with. You know skin picking and and wandering and and shadowing and um, just all those every day. You know we won't gets distracted in the middle of the eating and won't eat. So it's just common, you know, frustration points or or mystery points, you know, that people just wanted to, you know, my grandmother used to say that I want to go home, I want to go home, and, you know, you can't, you are home, but that's not the right answer. And um, so I found it really fascinating learning about why these things happen. And once you understand that why, it does give you patience and it does give you ideas about what you can try to respond to it. Mm-hmm. Now, um, we've got another question here from, from Paul. And she uh, said, do you know of any volunteer organizations in which she could become involved in for dementia patients? She was diagnosed with mild to moderate dementia about two years ago, and she thinks she could still help other dementia mm-hmm. patients at this point. Are you aware of any <clears throat> any volunteer organizations? Well, you know, in, in regionally and locally, there are there are um, lots of you know different programs that are dependent on volunteer help. And I guess someplace like you know in your community, a local area, or an agency, you know, might be able to point you to them. What I don't know is places that specifically you know want to use the gifts and insight of people who have you know mild cognitive impairment or dementia themselves, which I think um, would be a fabulous resource. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there are um, you know, early um, support groups, but, uh, you know, I, I would, I think it would be great to be, you know, part of a support group that was actually led by somebody who um, could share, you know, their experiences and lead people through talking. Um, but I don't know of any, one thing that's sort of built around that kind of, of um, manpower. Um, yeah. <clears throat> Our local uh, Alzheimer's Association here in Minnesota actually um, uses uh, volunteers to be the first contact when someone gets diagnosed. So they are getting um, authorization from, you know, at the time they go to the doctor um, to say the first person who will be in contact um, for you from the Alzheimer's Association will actually be someone who's been diagnosed. That's and a great that's idea. Just, and that has worked so well because it just shifts the table because they're mm-hmm. everyone's shocked that you know they can have a coherent conversation with someone who is mm-hmm. diagnosed because the perceptions are so uh so off the wall you know <clears throat> in terms of you know end stages that's what everyone um pictures mm-hmm. and so it's just a great conversation they also have a um uh what do they call it? they do meet up groups uh, where uh, where they all get together. And so it depends on, you know, Paul, I think um, how you're looking at volunteering. You know, we do dementia chats where um, people with dementia volunteer their time to um, be part of our, our webinars. And, 
you know, we have general kind of educational conversations, but the public can ask questions as well. And Harry Urban also commented he is um, one of our Dementia Chat experts uh, living with dementia, and uh, Harry is saying, Paula, we're interested in finding dementia mentors. So I'm not sure um, cool. in, if that is with his Forget-Me-Not um, Facebook page that he's doing that, or I know there's a new Dementia Alliance group out uh, working with uh, Alzheimer's Disease International. Um, but I think that there's, you know, that's something that needs to be looked at um, more and more um, because there's so much to offer. So, so much well, to offer. It gets back to this idea of stigma. I think people think it's just all black or white, right? Yeah. You've got, like, you know, a perfect brain or, you know, you're screwed. And and we all know that there's this, this huge, you know, shades of gray in the middle. And I think when people are comfortable with those shades of gray, um, that's when we've all, you know, taken a, a leap forward. And that's what's important for people to know and see. And how does that happen? That happens you know, by people like Paula, you know, putting herself out there and, and, and helping other people. Um, and uh, so I think that any, um, you know, starting with different local groups, I, I, I my sense is what you just described, that I hear about people doing these sort of little, you know, ad hoc programs or looking for people, um, whether it's something as formalized as a dementia mentor program or, or not, I, I don't know, but um, but that everybody sees that as a valuable resource. So. Mm-hmm. Well, and there are some dementia buddies that are working with medical mm-hmm. schools, um, okay. working working with the students so that they really see what the disease looks like yeah. firsthand versus just uh, reading it in a book. You know, big, big difference, yeah. as, as yeah. we all know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. With that. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I didn't see in your communication problems, and, and maybe you don't view this as a problem, or maybe it's in there and, and I'm just not seeing it, but when people repeat themselves, because that I think is a big stressor for a lot of um, care partners as well, is that something that you addressed at all? Yeah, I do. That's in there. It's, it's called like repeats the same question or comments um, over and over again because it it. it you know, I mean, the word problem I use loosely, but it, it, it's something that, you know, causes people to, I think, lose patience and, and um, you know, get annoyed even when they don't mean to <laughs> more than mm-hmm. more than many other things. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's definitely um, in there. And it's, again, a, a case where the understanding, you know, the why, I mean, I talk not only about how, um, you know, the inability to, to, to form, you know, new memories to remember that you just asked it, um, but I talk about, you know, sort of what you can, you know, try, you know, at first, what to, to do, not to do, watching your, your body language, um, you know, using those bridge phrases that, that can help move the conversation in a new way. Yes, that reminds me about, you know, <laughs> tell me about. Mm-hmm. I've also heard that, and then sometimes you can, you know, move the person off of that or figure out what the trigger is um, and kind of move a move a trigger. Um, so I give lots of, you know, a, you know, a dozen different little tips that things that have worked for people or people can try. And it's always situation specific. Or so exactly what works in one time, you know, might not work the next, but um, mm-hmm. there certainly are lots of um, things. And, you know, for each of them, I talk about not only why it happens and what you can try, but I kind of talk about, you know, more tips just to help you cope, <laughs> you know. So it's like that idea of, you know, counting to 10 before you answer, you know, the, the, the 30th time um, or um, how to, you know, 
that it's normal to feel stressed when you're trapped in one of those loops and, and you know, ways that you can um, get out of it. And, uh, you know, again, realize that it's it's normal and you're not, you know, a bad person for feeling these very common feelings that, that, um, that we all have. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Now, in the book, you also go over kind of personal care problems, disliking bathing or won't bathe, um, wearing the same clothes over and over, inappropriate clothing. Um, Again, great, great topics because they are just very, very common factors, you know, that people are are dealing with all the time, you know, with this disease. Um, Can you um, give like a a quick tip? I don't want to have you give the whole book away, but just a quick tip, um, in, you know, on a, on a grooming um, issue for people in terms of why they do it and maybe um, what they can do differently. Mm. Um, excuse me. The um, the wearing the same clothes over and over again. <laughs> excuse me, it's such a common one, and uh, I remember, you know, with with my dad who. Um, was always, you know, this this very natty dresser and, um, you know, laid in. He just would take something off and then he'd put it, you know, lay out, out on the bed and then before you knew it, you know, he'd be wearing the same thing the next day after day. And, you know, it's, um, some of the why is, you know, it's just losing that ability to, to recognize um, that um, the, the, the clothes are dirty or that they, they need um, to be... Um, they, they're not recognized as, as sort of dirty clothes. It's more that the visual cue is there they are, and I put them on again the next day. And um, and um, one of the, the best things that, that worked for us and, and that I've learned from lots of other people is, you know, is having multiples of the same thing and sort of literally getting in and, you know, sneaking it out because he would, you know, he would set the clothes in a certain place, and that was the cue. That was what was on top and what he would, would pick the the first and so it was you know sort of swapping out so that the clean thing um was was on top and the dirty ones would would get taken away um and and knowing that um you know there's a certain uh, amount of comfort in um wearing some of the the same um things over and over again it's it's familiar it's easy um and so that's where sort of the multiples um come into place and pruning out everything else because um uh you know, you just want to make it all. It's all about making things as easy as possible. You know, just eliminating all the things the brain doesn't really need to think about and can get turned down some wrong lanes um, as they go through the day. And just making things easy. Um, and it 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 um, it's amazing how the, the simplest things um, really pay long dividends. Agree, agree so much. Um, it's uh it's just a very interesting uh, interesting disease with a lot of commonalities but yet um a lot of differences because every person is different um from yes. the person with dementia to the person who's caring for them as well as their environment and it's so important that we take all of that into consideration um when we're providing when we're providing care um now, in the in the book, you also talk about um, <clears throat> dental care trouble and um, grooming and hairstyle and makeup. And I know for my mom, you know, we ended up 
you know, she stopped brushing her teeth and lost mm-hmm. all her teeth, and that was a that was a really difficult for people um, to look at her differently, you know, when her teeth started rotting and and stuff, and we you know we went through all the all the levels of brushing the teeth and swabbing and swooshing and you know doing everything we could, but it just didn't work for her. And we chose as a family, and I don't know if you would agree with this or not, but we chose as a family to to make sure she was comfortable over fighting with her um, and yeah. getting her anxious <clears throat> over that. And, and people had a really tough time, um, family and friends both, um, in terms of looking looking at it and reframing that you know she still has a gorgeous smile it looks different um, but she's she's happy and she's content um, because she would hold on to that stress um, amaz- for amazingly long periods of time that we think that somebody with dementia is not able to do and let me tell you mom knew how to hold on to that <laughs> yes yes. Yeah. Well, it's amazing how long emotions can last, even like a like a good thing, right? You have a great afternoon, a great outing, you just did something and it was it made her feel so happy. And then the next, you know, morning, she didn't remember at all that it happened, but that mood like would last. Um mm-hmm. and I think it's true for stressors as well as pleasures. Um mm-hmm. that they they la- you know, we hold on to that like the emotional memory of it lodges in in the body. Um, uh, no, I'm a big, I mean, one of the reasons I, I give the why it happens and what to try as opposed to what to do because there is no one what to do. It's um, it, it's just lots of little things that you can try and ultimately it's figuring out, you know, what works for you and what works in your situation. And mm-hmm. um, I, I think that's a really important thing. People start out, they want to do it, you know, quote, unquote, right but there really is no one right. <laughs> There's There may be an ideal, but that doesn't mean that it's right for you and your situation, and you have to figure out, you know, what's worth the pain and what's worth the, the benefits. Yeah, yeah. And even, you know, I remember having a, an hour-and-a-half-long conversation. Um, actually, it was probably more of an argument than anything with the dentist, going, well, you have to, and I... You know, we'll go in and we'll pull them and, you know, we'll make her a new set. And I'm like, they're going to end up in a drawer. She's not going to know how to use those. They're going to feel uncomfortable. It's going to be very painful. She's mm-hmm. not, you know, mm-hmm. and it was like, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> you know, it was well, that's also, that comes up a lot with um, medical screenings of different kinds, too. Um, you know, because sometimes people can be really um, upset by certain, but my father ultimately didn't, you know, quote, unquote, die of Alzheimer's. He, he died of, of an untreated cancer, but mm-hmm. he, he had a, he had a kidney cancer and the, um, the, the biopsy that they tried to get the biopsy the first time was so traumatic for him. It was such a huge setback. Um, that it was my mother's wish at that point to just not do anything further. Like they wanted to go in and do a second biopsy. This was a man who already had fairly advanced dementia. I was like, what are Mm -hmm. you going to do? Confirm that it's cancer and then put him through chemotherapy? (laughs) You know, all this would end. I mean, that's an extreme example of of what you're talking about, but I think there is a a whole spectrum. Um, And there's a lot of, you know, discussion about, well, who needs, you know, mammogram or this screening or that screening and how do you decide and again the answer i think is different for every 
person at everybody's stage of disease and everybody's threshold of, you know, understanding what's going on. And um, that Dr. Leslie Curson, the geriatrician um, who did a section in the book, you know, talks a lot about weighing, you know, weighing the benefits and the and the, the, the risks and, you know, mm-hmm. what are you getting out of it and what are you, you know, putting into it. I mean, what, and it's a different calculus for everybody, but it's a really important one when you're talking about geriatrics and Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. I, I totally, totally agree. Um, now, you, you mentioned the, the geriatrician. Um, you had written this book really with this whole team of experts, from geriatricians to psychiatrists um, to pioneers in in therapy. What was your favorite kind of takeaway piece that you learned from from these individuals? Well, I learned an awful lot, um, and everybody, you know, has a, a wonderful catchphrase that seems to sum it up. So I was just thinking when we were talking just now, Duke's Lisa Gwyther, um, who started some of the very first support groups in this country, you know, 30 or 40 years ago um, for Alzheimer's. You know, her big thing was always saying, you know, there's no one right way to do things, which is what we were mm-hmm. just talking about. Um, you know, and from Keep a Snow, I learned, you know, behavior talks to you, um, and, um you know, Lisa Gibbons, um, big caregiving health advocate, um, likes to say, you know, you are not alone. But um, one of my favorite things that I learned, actually, was not from one of the experts, but was from Lisa Gibbons' father. She's the TV personality who started the um, uh, her, the Lisa Gibbons Memory Foundation and has done lots of the advocacy work. Um, and her father cared for his wife, her mother, who had Alzheimer's. And one of my favorite things that's really resonated with me is he said, you know, worrying about what's next or wishing that you could recapture the past only prevents you from living in the present moment. As flawed or difficult as that present moment may be, that's where life is at. And I just thought that's really a great, you know, reframing of what you're dealing with. It's really about, you know, being in the moment. And, and cherishing the moment and getting through the moment and doing what's best or what seems best to you in the moment and kind of letting go um, of kind of a lot of those day-to-day worries about the future or, or mornings about the past and trying to just stay centered on the on the present moment. It's really hard advice, but I think it's really good advice. Yeah, I, I do too. I, I think it's, it's excellent advice and, and not always... <laughs> An easy one to to follow, that's for sure. Um, I just want to throw out to our audience, if you have any questions um, that you'd like to ask Paula, you know, we'd love to hear those um, from you. So go ahead and jot those down um, in in the chat box here, or you can call in again, and that number is 714-364. Four seven five seven. Again, that's seven one four three six four four seven five seven. And you know, we'd love to we'd love to hear um, any comments that you that you have. Um, I'm just looking at the the notes here. Um, Rick is saying I do a mentor program here locally um, through that health services department. Um, and I meet with a newly diagnosed patient, so that's getting back to Pauline's uh, comment mm. um, from before. 
and said that it's a great thing to do um, for the family and for the patient, which, again, I, I think it's important to have these conversations, bring these things up and, and help connect people um, to what's going on. Um, your book is, like I said, it, it's just a, it's a marvelous book. It's a great, great resource um, book for people to have. You also have noted in here some health problems, confusions that worsen um, with sudden delirium. And can you explain to our audience what delirium is? A lot of people don't don't know the difference there. Yes, yes. I had no idea until I actually experienced it and then went to learn more about it. Delirium is um, like dementia. It's a, it's a symptom. It's not a, a illness or disease, but it's a um, it's a change, a sudden change in the um, in the level of, of awareness and confusion um, that's brought on by an underlying stress in the body. So it's incredibly common um, in people who are um, hospitalized. Any any older adult who's hospitalized, the numbers are. Um, I don't have them at the top of my head, but the numbers are quite high. And people with um, dementia, it's, just, it's especially high when they're hospitalized. Now, it could be, you know, it could be caused by an underlying um, infection, like a urinary tract infection. It's very, very, very common. Um, or um, dehydration or, um, you know, a- any number of, of other things that are going on in the body. Um, just the disorientation sometimes. If, you know, you're in the hospital and there's bright lights and you wear glasses and you wear dentures, but you don't have them anymore suddenly and you don't know where you are and it you know, sends your body into this kind of stress. It's really important to, to be able to um, be aware of, of this and because people in the hospital with dementia, you know, it might just look like dementia to the hospital staff, but you know the person and you know what really is a shift for them, what's a, a sudden change. The person gets either much more lethargic or they can get much more amped up or they can start talking, you know, nonsense in a, um, a, a markedly different way from usual. Um, and it's important to be able to flag that and note it because sometimes that's your only way of, you know, for the doctor to investigate and, and discover that there's a urinary tract infection that needs to be treated um, or, um, you know, uh, that the person is dehydrated and can't articulate it otherwise. So, um I learned so many fascinating things about, about delirium from uh, Dr. Kernison. And um, it's just really one of those things that once you're aware of it, it's like, oh, aha, I see it and I can think that, as opposed to, oh, they're just, you know, they're just behaving more strangely and I don't, you know, I don't know what that is. Well, yeah, it's kind of like once you know about UTIs and, you know, everyone's like, yeah. there's no, no way that that can be causing that. And it's like, oh, well, maybe maybe it can, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's see, we've got a question here. It says, um, <clears throat> my uncle with moderate Alzheimer's disease refuses to take off his shoes and socks and goes to bed with them for days. Any suggestions on how to encourage mm. him to take those off? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's that's really a um, that's really a hard one. Um, sometimes um, what works for a lot of people is the this sort of the neutral third party approach. Mm-hmm. So it's um, it's you know having a doctor appointment, um, and um, instead of it becoming like a power struggle between you, you know, you make the doctor appointment and you clue the doctor in ahead of time, and so that it's the doctor or the nurse or someone who's asking you know for that to be be done, um, even as a chance to get the seat, or it's a podiatrist, you know, a chance to get the seat 
sort of washed and, and cared for. Um, and sometimes just having that happen once can be kind of enough to, to break that cycle and they become less resistant to it in the future. Um, or, you know, after that one time, the, the very difficult to remove shoes, you know, with the laces or whatever, you know, sort of um, get disappeared. And it's it's easy easier on and easier off shoes and socks that, that mm-hmm. you know, that kind of gets replaced with after the, the third party um, has tried it. Um, I've heard so many, you know, different kinds of creative things people have, have resorted to to get certain things done. I mean, Obviously, you know, you've probably tried logic and, and it, you know, you need to have your feet cleaned. You need, but, you know, that just doesn't, doesn't go anywhere. Um, and so a lot of it is trying to, you know, understand the, the why they might, you know, be feeling that way. Is it, does it have to do with being cold? Do they feel they have to, um, you know, be able to escape and leave? Is there something about their past that, that in their former profession that might have made them um, be that way? Um but you know, really tough ones like that. Um, a, a neutral third party can kind of really be a, a helpful um, way because people sometimes tend to be more receptive when it's coming from someone else, as opposed to especially when it's something that has already become a power struggle between us and them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it could be, um, which is difficult too. But it it could be a matter of um, discomfort. With the shoes off mm, yes. from cold feet, or it could be um, even um, some type of sore that feels better with pressure on it and and stuff. So, I mean, there's so many different factors that could come into play, or it could just be, you know, what it's just too frustrating putting these dang things on and off. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep yeah. it. Yeah, well, frustrating or even painful. You know, it just like mm-hmm. it hurts to get them off because. You know the toenails by now are so long, and they're they're digging in, and and it just it's a it's a pain point, and it um and maybe like you know being associated with a doctor or a podiatrist, they it, it can become a pleasant experience because they know how to you know take care of whatever the problem is down there on the feet. Um, yeah, it's a lot. It's so much detective work. It's like we should all have you know Nancy Drew hats on to yeah. <laughs> try to figure yeah. out some of these things. Exactly. But it's you know it's a good thing you know that it's being noticed because sometimes people don't even notice it. Um, it mm-hmm. could even be that they feel like they need to escape um, and mm-hmm. that they're not safe, and so they want to be ready to go. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's there's lots of different different angles, and, and I wish we had a <laughs> had the the perfect answer for you, but but we just don't. Um, the other thing, you know, I wanted just to note, too, is you talk about personal and family stressors in the book, and you talk about criticism and denial and disagreement and favoritism and lack of family help and relationship strains. Those, I mean, boy, talk about hitting the nail on the head, you know, when it comes to giving care. And then you also address, um, you've got a chapter on addressing emotional stressors. When you feel guilty or resentful or you lose your temper or your patience or when you're grieving, um, these are all really important things or practical stressors, the lack of privacy, the lack of me time, um, sleep deprivation, which can be huge. Um, so you've really done a, a, an absolutely fantastic job pulling this book together and 
and making it user-friendly and um, making it um, a powerful, powerful um, tool. And then at the end, you list, um, you know, resources, the toolkit for for caregivers. Can you highlight kind of what that what that looks like for people? Yeah, I um, I. I Sort of the everything else, you know, part of the book. Um, I had, um, you know, I hear a lot about, like, um, burnout and depression are are important things that everybody's at risk for, but nobody really wants to think about. And so I give some tools there to how to, you know, recognize um, that in yourself. I I talk through, I I don't go into the book a lot about what is Alzheimer's, because I feel like a lot of people know, you know, the basics, um, but I talk about different forms of staging and what um what that is um and um and as i said the you know warning signs of depression and and then just some sources of help you know where to what is the local area agency on aging and and how do you find it and what do different kinds of of groups do so they in that section i just wanted to um uh put extra kinds of you know lists or i think the burnout is in a quiz format um just added tools that can that can kind of um, further help you know really relieve your your stress and and put you in a um, a better place. Mhm. Well, wonderful. Well, again, I want to thank you for spending so much time you know with us today. Um, as a as a wrap up comment, um, I, I'm just going to go back to my little book report here that I got from Kathy, and she said the use of the the bold print and the bullet points really made it easy to follow along and um, easy to read. And she really loved the the resources and sources of health at the at the back end of the book. And she said, I've read many books on dementia and Alzheimer's, and this is one of the best. It would be an excellent book to purchase and have on hand as a resource or reference. And um, like I said, she she spoke so highly of it, um, I didn't get it back. <laughs> it, just, it was, it was um, being passed amongst the group um, to review, and I know several people just went out and, and purchased a copy themselves, were really very, very excited about, um, about the book and um, the way you pulled it together and... Um, and you know, uh, just made it so so simple, and and easy. So again, I I thank you very much for all the time that you've spent with us uh, this morning. Again, if you're interested in purchasing the book, it's Surviving Alzheimer's: Practical Tips and um, Oops, what is it? I forgot the I forgot the whole tagline there. You want to go ahead and say that? <laughs> Practical <laughs> tips and soul-saving wisdom. There's that word again, right? It's our word yep. of the day. Soul-saving wisdom for caregivers. Yeah, and people can get that on Amazon, or you have a website, uh, just www.survivingalzheimersbook.com, or right. they can go to paulaspencerscott.com as well. So, again, thank you so much for, for your time with us today. Really enjoyed the conversation, and um, I thank you for, for sending me the book. It's definitely going for, for good use. <laughs> well, thank you for having me, and thank you for the, the kind words. I, I think I said to you before, every every nice review or something that I hear is like getting a hug from my late dad because that's really why I did it. So um, I appreciate it. 
Wonderful. Well, best of luck to you, and uh, Noah will be promoting the book, um, you know, for you and and pushing that out. When I go and and speak, I'll I'll mention it. Um, It sounds like one of those books, if I ever get it back, that I won't let go of. Yeah, just have to get you your own. (laughs) Yeah, there's only only a couple of them that I I truly, because I get so many books, um, that that I really hold on and and don't don't let out of my sight um, and bring those to conferences to share and uh, this will be this will be one of those added to that that collection so thank you again thanks okay All you have right. a great week okay thanks you too take care yep bye bye well I would um, we're going to go into kind of our mid program highlights here of what's been going on uh, if you didn't listen to our last show. We had Molly Carpenter on with um, Home Instead, and she had uh, written a great book that was uh, well, just a, another wonderful book. And then we had Paul Hornbeck on, who who wrote a, a really um, neat devotional book as well. And so there were some wonderful tips that that both parties gave on that show. Our next show is going to have Tanya Ward Goodman, and she wrote a memoir called <clears throat> Leaving Tinkertown. And that'll be that will be a fun show that we'll we'll be looking forward to. This afternoon we are going to be having our dementia chats, which is our uh, free webinar where we interview experts, um, and those experts all are diagnosed with dementia, and the insights that they give us are, are really invaluable. And that starts at 3 p.m. Eastern time, 2 p.m. Central, one if you're Mountain time, and noon Pacific time. And I'll be putting a blog post out on that after the after the show. Our last dementia sh- chats was um, over a month ago, um, and that was in February. And we just had a great conversation about diagnosis and stages and medical professions and what they do and don't know and what they do and don't do so good and, and things. And it was a it was a great conversation. They are all recorded. Um, we should be getting back on schedule again. I apologize. We were kind of out of sync with my with my mother's passing here, um, but getting back on schedule again. Um, for those of you that are not familiar with our resource directory on Alzheimer's Speaks, I would um, recommend that you go check that out. Um, it was built as a collaborative resource directory, and so um, that means everybody can input resources. And in order to do that, you just go up to the big button at the top that says Partnering Options, Share That You Care. Click on that. You'll have to become a member. And once you are a member, it'll take you right to that page and it'll give you a registration form. Um, then just make sure that you save your username and your password. And, um, and then you can go into the resource directory and you can start uploading information. And so things that you can load would be books and um, YouTube's um, videos that might be podcasts, it might be services from a company, uh, it might be a speaker or a trainer or a coach or a consultant, um, it might be somebody's blog or newsletter that you find really valuable that you can go ahead and upload and share with others. Maybe it's a film, maybe it's somebody's um, poetry. Again, it doesn't necessarily have to be yours to share. Um, You don't have to own it. 
Um, it's really about sharing and, and pushing things out that people need. We also have a, a long list under um, caring support services that goes, you know, goes in alphabetical order from abuse and neglect to talks about um, accessibility and adult daycare, um, advocacy. It might have to do with um, arts. Um, maybe it's an association. Could be business to business. Uh, might be a dementia-friendly community. I mean, the list just kind of goes on and on. So. I would um, really recommend that you go ahead and participate um, in that. And again, share share that you care. Um, my second guest has not arrived yet, so I am going to go ahead and um, talk a little bit more about uh, like a couple of things that were on the blog. One was a uh, post that our intern Michelle did called Favorite Things. And if you haven't read that, I would recommend that you go read that. Sometimes we forget about our, our favorite things. Um, and then there is also a link to the talk show that I did on KTLK um, AM 1130. Um, and we were just talked about dementia. We, we covered a wide variety of things. Um, but that was uh, that was fun with uh, with Siri Free, and I appreciate her having having me on her show. Again, for those that are looking for resources, I'm just going to mention a few. Again, Alzheimer's Disease International is the association of all associations around the world. So if you're looking for a place. Um, to be able to help you find one that is an association that's close to you, Alzheimer's Disease International uh, could help you there. There's also the Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation, the Lewy Body Association, um, the Alzheimer's Studies Group that is um, doing some clinical trials, and so they would be great to check on there. The Alzheimer's Frontal Temporal uh, Lobe, Association and the National Aphasia Association. That's when people have a difficulty um, talking. Music first with Coral Health. Um, again, music has such a great impact on us and can be a marvelous way to change our moods uh, and change our attitudes. Puzzle with Me has devised some uh, great puzzles that are age appropriate and um, size appropriate for people dealing with dementia as well as the Jiminy Wicket um, program, which is a croquet game. Um, they actually do education to schools and connect the schools and and the children, uh, or I'm sorry, the, the schools along with uh, memory care, and they get together and, and play croquet. It's, it's pretty fun and pretty fascinating at the same time. So that would be uh, would be a wonderful wonderful thing to do. I don't know if any of you have heard, but um, with the Purple Angel program, but there is a new song that they just launched, and so I am going to go ahead and find that, and we will play that. Sure that we will as soon as I find it. I had it right here, and of course I lost it. Huh. Maybe it, oh, that's weird. It's not in here. I loaded it. I saw it load. Oh, here we go. I'm going to go ahead and play this song. Again, the Purple Angel is all about raising awareness. Here we go. 
Project uh, that is something that you may want to check into. 
And uh, you can do that actually on alzheimerspeaks.com. Just go to our About page, and there we have a side tab that you just click on, and we'll talk about the Purple Angel. And for those of you that aren't familiar with it, it's the new global symbol for dementia. So finally, we're going to have one symbol that can be recognized around the world that's not going to have any language barriers at all. Um, it was designed um, basically by somebody with dementia, uh, by Norms and uh, Jane Moore, and it's uh, it's just kind of running all around the world, and it's it's quite fascinating and it's extremely powerful, and it really is designed for for uh, multiple reasons. Uh, the main one is to raise awareness and education on all types of dementia. Because a lot of times we were using the word Alzheimer's, but there's so many different types of dementia, and we need we need support and research for all of them. <clears throat> so it's pulling them all together, no matter um, uh, you know if you're a person diagnosed or if you're a person caring for somebody who has dementia. We all need to work together. It's also about helping to remove the fear and the isolation and the stigmas associated with the disease by by branding it like uh, we have with breast cancer. Um, people are proud to wear their pink ribbons, and we need to get that momentum behind the purple angel. It's, um, it's really about pulling us together as a globe and, and knowing that, um, that we can work economically and collaboratively uh, together to, to make a difference um, with this. In order to use the symbol, um, you can go ahead and contact me or one of the other ambassadors, and then you'll receive a poster or a PDF um, of the poster that Norms has uh, pulled together. Um, and you, if you are a business owner, you just have your employees read this. And um, it's an educational process. It's not about having all the answers. It's just about having the conversation, which is so, so important um, to all of us in terms of having the conversation. Um, very, very critical in terms of, of mindset in order to be able to remove and move forward with um know with uh with the stigmas uh in, in getting those pushed pushed out of the way uh it's looking like my second guest um is not going to be able to make the show today i don't know um what exactly happened but once in a while that that can occur and so instead of just filling air time here which i can usually do um without a problem I'm going to go ahead and wrap up the show, and I'll just get Vicki rescheduled um, on the show here. Um, Vicki is um, is a, an educational um, uh, trainer and, and writer, and um, she had um, kind of switched gears due to both of her parents being diagnosed with dementia, and so we will get her back. Um, to talk about her book, um, Somebody Stole My Iron um, at Another Time. It's, it's, um, it's kind of a fun title for a book, and uh, it's an interesting read. 
And so we'll just go from there. But in the meantime, have a wonderful week. And again, if you can join us this afternoon for Dementia Chats, um, we'd love to have you do that. It's a webinar-based, and all you have to do is click a link. I know that there was an update, so it might tell you that you need to update a Flash player, um, but it will guide you how to do that. So, again, I thanks for all the participation today in the show, and please feel free to, to um, pass this uh, link on to others. Share it on your Facebook page. Um, email it to your friends. Um, Again, it takes all of us to pass the information along um, so that we can get these conversations going. Um, In the meantime, have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Suzanne Newman, host of the Answers for Elders podcast and radio show. We are the North Star that guides you through the complicated journey of senior care with trusted experts in money, law, living solutions, and more. So join us on this station, your favorite podcast channel, or just go to AnswersForElders.com. Meet the Wayshowers who will help your journey a lot easier.